0: Hey guys, it's Ryan here. I just wanted to give you a little bit of a warning about this episode and the next one after this, which will be the first season finale. I recorded these two episodes back-to-back in the same session with three wonderful and talented guests. In the middle of our discussion on this episode, however, the microphone that I have been using since 2014, pretty much what I've used on every podcast since I got in the game, uh, it up and broke, just completely died. I scrambled to find a replacement in the moment, and all I could come up with were a pair of janky-ass skull Candy earbuds with a built-in mic. I knew the sound quality would not be the same, and it would not be as good, and under other circumstances, I would have canceled the recording and tried to reschedule. But I chose not to for a couple of reasons. First, as you'll find out, I was recording with three guests— Trying to reschedule with one other person can be a hassle at times. Trying with three, I didn't even want to think about it. Second, we were already approaching the deadline for when these episodes would come out, and I didn't want to delay the release of these episodes. And third, kind of selfishly, I was having fun with the guys. We were having a good conversation, and I wanted to maintain that energy as much as possible. I was worried that we wouldn't recapture it if we had to do it again. So... As you will hear in about 15 minutes, the quality and sound of my voice changes. What's good is the others sound pretty much the same. You will also have to bear with this sound on all of the next episode. Initially, I was really worried. I thought it sounded horrible, but I have listened to it again, and I don't think it sounds that bad. Frankly, I don't think anybody listening to this would have complained about it. Hint, hint but you would notice, and that's why I'm explaining it to you now. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this episode. It's a little-known fact that Cheerscast is a proud member of the Fire & Water Podcast Network.
1: Interesting, interesting. That was Sam's brother. He's on his way over. Sam's brother? Yeah. Didn't know he had one. Me either. He didn't tell any of you? (laughs) Coach? (laughs) See? Did you know Sam has a brother? Of course
2: I know he had a brother. He hates him. Why does he hate him? He was cruel to him. When Sam was a kid, he used to shove his head on the water. Ugh. Hey, wait a minute, that was my brother.
3: <laughs> Come to think of it, that
2: was my head.
1: <laughs> Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot, wouldn't you like to get away?
0: And welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly, and for now at least, I am excited to welcome my three very special guests onto this episode. I am actually poaching the Longbox Crusader crew, except for Pat Sampson, who couldn't join us this time, but I will have him on the next season, I'm sure. You know these three guys from the various Longbox Crusade shows, including Crusader Chronicles, Saturday Matinee Theater, and 12 Days of Crusademus, as well as the MI6 Rookie Agents episodes of On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. First up is the yard sale artist himself, Jared Albrecht, also known as Death Probe. What's up, man? what's going on man welcome to the show thanks for joining us
3: hey thanks for having me i like what you've done with this place uh you've recreated (laughs) the cheers bar and uh can you get me some pretzels perhaps
0: Uh, i can yeah we'll talk about that later (laughs) oh okay next up is jared's brother from his actual mother jason the weasel skull albury what's up jason oh not much thanks for inviting us on the show I promised Pat I would try to find
2: where you stored the brandy, so <laughs> pay no attention to me as I rummage behind this bar. Good
3: I'm gonna be finding bread
0: And finally, he's not their brother, but he is their brother, like you know. Word. Uh, and his... <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. And his jujitsu is better than yours, Delvin the Dark Web Williams. What's up, Delvin?
1: Not too much, and you you said it like, you know, black guys would say it, you know, it it means more that way. (laughs) Well, you know. No, hopefully you got the Zoolander reference that I was quoting there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That is one of the things that this this show, as much as I love Cheers, it was not a diverse show, diversity in cast, I mean, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say Delvin will have more dialogue on this episode than any actor of color ever has on the actual Cheers <laughs> show. Uh, it is an issue, but... There was that one episode
2: with the mailman that wanted to beat up Cliff. In
0: the second season, Cliff... Yeah, yeah, I love that episode. Yeah. In,
1: in fairness, if I did go to Cheers, I'm pretty sure everyone would know my name. <laughs> You're like, Delvin!
0: <laughs> of all the guests we've had on this podcast, Delvin is by far the black one. Yes! <laughs> mm. All right, well three guests on this episode um they're all brothers as <laughs> if we put the asperas by that <laughs> one way or another um, yes and that is <laughs> thematically appropriate for these episodes that we are about to cover which is Thank showdown you. and then next week they will be back for showdown part two uh this is the two-part season finale but before we get into that gentlemen we have to hear your cheers origin stories so jason uh how and when did you discover the show and what has it meant to you
2: Well, I'm going to show my age a little bit. I was there when Cheers launched in 1982. I think I was about 11 years old, and my mom and dad watched the show pretty religiously, and I followed along with it. Uh, My 11-year-old self didn't quite get all of the humor, and I just thought Sam Malone was really cool. Now re-watching it again in my 40s, obviously, I pick up a lot more on it. But uh, I just thought it was a really fun sh- show, and we did watch it religiously every
0: Thursday night. Jared, what about you?
3: The same origin story subtract five years.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty wet. Short and sweet. You know, I like it. <laughs> the only thing I will
3: add is from 1987 to 1990, we lived in Germany where we had the Armed Forces Network Television. It's called The Super Station, which is pretty ballsy because it's the only station you get. So it's the only station you call yourself The Super Station. That's gutsy. And it would just basically show the best of American TV, whatever was the most popular at the time. So I I believe it carried cheers. Jason, correct me if I'm wrong. I I believe we were still watching it in Germany. It was one of the few American shows we got.
2: Yeah, I think it was a little behind, but uh, I think we were like a season behind. behind. we We were there so long we caught up.
3: So yeah, that's the you know, same origin story as Jason, except that was one of the sh- very few shows that made the cut to be on the superstation.
0: Holt that- well, MacGyver <laughs> <laughs> By then, the show had reached its, its peak popularity, and it was winning tons of awards. So I can imagine if there was a best of American TV, I would hope that uh, Cheers would be on it. So yeah. And Delvin, what about you?
1: Man, I'm terribly remembering the first time, but I know that I watched this show growing up, and I'll talk a little bit more more about a few things I saw when we get into the uh, first episode, but... The cool thing about growing up in the 80s is that you have a very good chance of watching something that someone you have nothing in common with watch as well, because it was must see TV mm-hmm. of of, thir- of the Thursday night lineup of um, NBC, who was on absolute fire at the time. And. I know I started watching it probably more when Woody Harrelson was on the show, more more than Coach. I remember Coach, um, but I, it's probably in hindsight. I remember Shelly Long as well and when she was replaced uh, by Kirstie Alley. Uh, but I, I, I know I watched the show because I remember watching the finale and it being a big deal uh, as well. But I, I definitely enjoy watching uh, these first uh, or the last two episodes of the first season.
0: Nice, nice. So, good variety. Uh, And, yeah, uh, we have been building up to this point, people. So, we are talking about the first part of the two-part season finale for Season 1, Showdown Part 1. This episode was written by the creators Glenn and Les Charles. It was directed by James Burroughs. The original air date was Thursday, March 24th, 1983. Sam's older brother Derek Malone is coming by the bar, much to the dismay of Sam and the surprise of Diane, Carla, and Norm, none of whom knew that Sam even had a brother. In a private conversation in the office, Sam confides in Diane that he has always felt inferior to his brother, and it's not hard to see why. Derek is smarter than Sam, richer than Sam, better looking than Sam, and all around more entertaining than Sam. As soon as he arrives at Cheers, Derek instantly captivates the crowd with songs, dances, pool tricks, and tales of celebrity encounters. He also helps Norm at last find a new job and teaches coaches Spanish so that he can get a job coaching baseball down in Venezuela for the summer but what hurts Sam the most is seeing Diane fall for Derek, despite her knowing how Sam feels about it. She tells him that Derek has invited her to Martha's Vineyard. Instead of pleading with her to stay, Sam bottles his true feelings and gives Diane his blessing, which she accepts despite the truth that she would rather be with Sam. After closing, Sam has a date with another beautiful woman. He wants to resume his old womanizing ways, but his head, and maybe his heart, is away on a Learjet heading to Martha's Vineyard. And that is where the first part ended. So, fellas, what did you guys think for this episode? Uh, we'll go uh, – let's go opposite order. Delvin, what did you think?
1: Uh, the episode overall was, was good. Like I, there were a couple of times that I noted. I'm like, um, I haven't seen Derek yet. <laughs> haven't seen De- oh, okay. It probably took me about like, you know, closing, <laughs> closing minutes of the second episode before I realized that Derek wasn't going to – so that that would be my first thought, like it, it was clear what the purpose of Derek was overall uh for uh, this episode and the next
0: yeah we don 't actually ever see him, probably because they build him up so much that. No, nobody could reasonably portray him and and pull it off. For one thing, you've got an actor with the looks and the charisma of Ted Danson. How do you cast somebody who's going to make him obviously uh, like a pale imitation, a shadow of that? So yes, instead,
1: six, six, three blonde, <laughs> right.
0: Instead, they always have the crowd kind of gathered around him. um Derek is voiced by George Ball, who is uh, mostly a voice actor who 's done work on like cartoons and video games and things like that uh, and really, they just they needed his voice for like a few like little quick beats. but yeah, the staging they always have the crowds surrounding him, so they don 't actually have to show somebody there who's would be so obviously better because if the audience looks at him and says no well, he 's not that good looking then the illusion is ruined.
1: Yeah, and they did they did a very good job of that. When they, when he first came out and they were all surrounding him and Derek was playing the piano, it's <laughs> like, oh,
0: okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jared, what would you think?
1: Similar to Delvin, it took me a minute to catch
3: on that we were going to see him. And then you alluded to my main note, which I thought was interesting, was that he actually had a credit. There was a credit for Derek in the, in the end of the episode, which amused me. I was like, wait, they, they credited some guy, but now you've cleared it up for me. It was voice acting. And I, and I thought it was funny because, I mean, you could there was one scene where you could kind of barely make somebody out in the crowd. And so I was like, wait, they credited that guy. <laughs> that guy? <laughs> but uh, you have cleared it up for me. I didn't realize it was a voice actor. So that was that was my first big takeaway. But uh, just as an overall note, it was a very enjoyable show that I think really captures the essence of the entire essence of Cheers, especially in the Diane years. It's a real watershed, watermark, whatever the right term is, episode.
0: Jason, what would you think? I agree with
2: what my two gentlemen crusaders have uh, said so far. The one thing that um, I thought was very interesting is normally when you watch Cheers, there's really only a couple of sets that they move around in and the main action takes place in the bar. and, And Sam is usually the center of that universe and to see, all the planets in his universe, you know, Norm and Cliff and everybody, all the regulars, just following his brother from place to place and he stuck out there alone. I thought it was really kind of a unique take on the show and uh, added to the story elements as well. Other than that, it was just really funny, really entertaining and demonstrated the chemistry of Sam and Diane as they were just on the cusp of starting their relationship.
0: Yeah, this one really kind of puts it front and center because the, throughout the entire first season they've been flirting and they've had this sort of back and forth, um, sometimes you know flirtatious and sometimes antagonistic and hostile with each other. But right from the beginning, after we come back from the teaser, and I do want to go back and talk about the teaser in a minute, but like right from the beginning, you know, Sam puts it right out there. He's like, "Hey, I have to go back and you know organize the stockroom." He's like, "Do you want to? You know, do you want to join me?" It's like dimly lit and everything, and she you know starts giving him crap about it it's, right away. Like the whole thing that today. was would be a ridiculous sexual harassment lawsuit against your boss. Like, everything that Sam says uh, should be, you know, brought against him in court. Like, <laughs> Yeah, you can't say that. <laughs> right, right. But that, that was, like, the conceit of the show, of, of their whole relationship and what they are But, like, yeah, this one puts it right out in front. Um the teaser, and I didn't even realize this when I asked you guys to be on it, but the teaser for this first part, um, the guys are just sitting around the bar, Diane comes in and she's really excited because something is on TV and they're like, Oh hey, is it like a a ball game or the playoffs? Like, what what are we missing? And she turns on (laughs) an opera. Yes. And the opera is Wagner's The Ring of the Nibelung, which is this Four part like takes like 7 days to watch like this whole thing <laughs> and she she talks about it she, but, and she's excited too she's like it's got all three acts yeah she's like that's Reinhold Valkyrie Siegfried <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Götterdämmerung and i always remember Götterdämmerung uh, because it's german for twilight of the gods and i think like every thor comic i've ever read every <laughs> every like run every author has used Götterdämmerung as like the, the last story in the
3: Alexander Hamilton, Aaron Burr. If you're a history lover or a musical lover, you probably know about both Hamilton and Burr's rise to power in the early stages of American history and their infamous duel. But what if you didn't know the full story? What if one of them was a werewolf? White Rocket Entertainment proudly presents a 48-page full-color comic book, Hamilton versus Burr: A Werewolf Tale, written by Jared Albrecht, the Yard Sale Artist. Art by Nate Niles, colors by Ace Wheelie and Ken Solomon. Letters by Percival Constantine and edited by Johanna Albrecht. Hamilton versus Burr: A Werewolf Tale, available digitally on Kindle and Comics Central. C o m i x Central. Prefer a print copy? Hamilton versus Burr: A Werewolf Tale, along with my other published works, are available at theyardsaleartist.big cartel.com that's the yard sale artist.bigcartel.com or you can buy it directly from me creator Jared albrecht the yard sale artist at any of my comic con appearances Hamilton versus Burr a werewolf tale Get your copy today. You won't regret it. Don't take my word for it. Here's what Ming Chen from AMC's TV series, Comic Book Men, had to say about
0: it. I really enjoyed it. A lot of great werewolf scenes in here. A lot of great... Uh, this is how I wish history would be told to kids. <laughs> Books like a- a Hamilton versus Burr, A Werewolf Tale. That's Hamilton versus Burr, A Werewolf Tale. Um but then yeah, and I didn't I didn't even realize this when I asked you guys to be on it, but the ring at the center of the story with the magic powers belonged to a dwarf named what was it, Jason?
2: Albrick. Yeah.
0: So your your name comes from this thing. So mm-hmm. I didn't even, when I was looking that up just as a little bit of research, I was like, hey, those guys are gonna be on my show. <laughs> hey, hey, guys, I'm
1: pretty, guys, I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Albrick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <sighs>
0: Shout out to the Married, oh, with, po- Married with Comics <laughs> podcast, who were just on the previous episode.
2: On our own network, too, man. It was on our own network. Yeah, That's our right. own
3: friends. Just let that slide.
0: <laughs> what did I'm you guys a actually yard, think no about artists. the teaser with the um, like Diane trying to get the group to watch this opera and then completely disinterested?
1: Oh, yeah. They, they played it so well. It's like, oh, yeah, we'll give it a chance.
2: Nah. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> like, Hers- Come on, guys. all
0: asleep. Diane watches a lot of sports for us. Let's do like make the effort for her benefit. So they turn it back on and they give it like a second. They just hear the woman, the woman singing. They're like, nope, 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 nope.
2: My favorite part though is when Coach goes.
1: I hope they don't use that canned laughter. I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like when Diane said, "Culture is wasted on you. Oxygen is wasted on you." <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, that's good. That's a good line. Alright, so then after the main titles, we jump back into the story, and we get a couple of different plot lines in here. For one thing, Coach is talking to a friend on the phone. Uh, He's possibly going to go back and coach during the summer season in Venezuela, as long as he can learn to speak Spanish. And he has this interaction with Cliff, and Cliff is like, do you know any Spanish? And, And Coach is like, yeah, I know a few things, like, how tall is my dentist, and hey, is that really your sister? <laughs> what, what possible context would you need to learn those phrases?
1: Well, I mean, he, he even uh, threw Cliff off because Cliff looked and, like, oh, okay. I'm going to go do something else now. <laughs> You're going to be fine,
0: coach. <laughs> And I like his whole, like when Carlos like, you want to go back to coaching? He's like, coaching seems so much simpler. And this is like perfect for coaches. Like, when they're up, I'm in the dugout. When we're up, I'm at the base. It's like, when the game's over, I hit the head, I go and get a cheeseburger. <laughs> That's, like, That's right. Like, a simple sort of organized lifestyle is exactly what a guy like him needs. So.
1: Yeah, coach is not um, the brightest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, as he mentions Personally. in the next episode, he's taking a lot of fastballs to the head. Didn't he have the major league record or something like that for being hits by pitch? Yeah.
1: <laughs> hey, before we get too far in, I want to mention a, a couple of things. When I first started, I watched the show on um, Hulu,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and like I have an HD TV, like most people do now. And Cheers was on HD, and it was weird. <laughs> Like what is this? Like everybody's so clear and distinct look. Like, I, I don't I don't I don't like it. <laughs>
3: I need it fuzzy. <laughs> yeah. I I, I
1: I needed that boob tube from back in the day to watch this. And then one more thing, for whatever reason, on Hulu on the bottom right corner, like the logo, clear as day, said CBS.
0: Mm, uh it must have been rebroadcasted CBS or like reruns, and maybe that's Maybe that's what they were getting the, the Hulu from. It wasn't from the – because it was originally – it was an NBC show for all 11 years.
2: Right. Yeah, yeah, that big NBC lineup. Yeah.
0: So maybe like when they shipped it out to like local affiliates for syndication, maybe CBS picked it up and that's what got transferred over to the Hulu. That interesting, yeah.
1: Yeah, I found that very weird. As soon as I just seeing CBS, I'm like – that ain't right.
0: Mm-hmm. Seeing <laughs> it in HD with, with that, that focus reminds me of a, a norm line from one of the other episodes when uh, he's asked if there are any gay men in the bar. He's like, "No, this crowd is too ugly to be gay." And then he looks around again. Like, it's too ugly to be out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <That's right. laughs>
0: Um, we find out a little information. First of all, we find out that Sam has a brother, which really only comes up in these two, ish, in these two episodes. Um, this is like another one of those things where early on in the season, they, they introduce like a lot of like family issues and like backstories for characters that never come up again. He's got a brother that Carla and Norm, who have known Sam for at least five years, never knew he had a brother. But we find out that Derek is an international lawyer who Diane projects, probably makes like half a million dollars a year. Um, it's enough that he bought his own Learjet and yeah, he's better looking than Sam smarter than Sam all around better entertainer. And like, I don't know about you, but just, I kind of got the feeling like if Derek applied himself, he even would have been a better athlete. Like the one thing (laughs) that Sam kind of like can cling to, like that was his thing. I kind of think like Derek, it just never occurred to Derek to play sports or play (laughs) baseball. But if he did, he would have been better and more successful.
1: (laughs) I, I could play sports, but I, I can make more money doing this international lawyer thing. Right, right.
0: <laughs> so I'm gonna
1: do it instead.
0: He you guys mentioned that he has wavy or curly blonde hair. Uh, he's got blue eyes and the way Carla mentions it, he's like or like Sam is like, Oh, are they blue? And Carla goes, yeah, like Windex. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she has
2: such a way of putting things
0: (laughs) yeah when she has did your brother Derek ever talk to you or ever mention anything about being into like swarthy fertile Mediterranean (laughs) women and she's like rubbing her pregnant belly bump
1: (laughs) Um, you gotta love Carla Carla was exactly who she was and very unashamed of it like and I think that especially the first episode here I was surprised that she wasn't her character, to me, wasn't fully out like I remember Carla. Like, she was kind of there, a little bit sassy, but, man, she really grows into that character.
0: Yeah, she does. And I actually... I She's got two scenes with Sam that I really like in this episode. Yes. And, like, thinking back on it, we haven't really seen a lot of that yet. In, like, in, like this rewatch for the podcast, in the first season, there haven't been a whole lot of just quiet, intimate moments between Sam and Carla. And we really get it in this one. Part of it is for... Mm-hmm expositional purposes in the first time. I mean, because the week before uh, this episode came out, Cheers won the people's choice award for best new comedy series, uh, which is probably what kept it from being canceled because up until the end of the season, the ratings were not really supporting it that much. And the president of NBC had to be kept being talked into like saving the show and renewing it. Um, But I think the ratings were starting to climb. And it won the People's Choice Award the week before this finale for best new series, so they're like, okay, we'll give it another shot. But so if that brought a lot of new eyes to the show, and if you know a, a fresh audience is looking at it, Carla, her first scene with Sam is probably good for expositional purposes, and she kind of lays it all out. She's like, Sam, you were you know this womanizer, and she's like, you were heading to the hall of the Hound Hall of Fame <laughs> with how many women that you were going after like all the time. She's like, but ever since this woman came into the bar, she's like, you're a weenie, you're a wimp. And, and he's got a great. He's like, you know, he's like, I don't. He's like, I don't understand it. Maybe she's playing hard to get, but for me, hard to get used to me, and I'd have to sit through dinner.
1: Yes, <laughs> that goodness. was a great line. Yeah, he, he had to be a player for that. <laughs> that is a player.
2: I also liked uh, you mentioned that intimate moment when they were together in the bar, and I thought that that was that was interesting because Sam was actually vulnerable in front of her. He's usually very arrogant confident you never see him that way with any of the other women that he dates so it was i i appreciated that that little moment of vulnerability and she's kind of given him that tough love that he needs right there i think mm-hmm. are you talking
1: about carla yes okay
0: yeah cuz like i i think it's pretty clear like when you watch like the length of their relationship that carla knows she will never be the one that he he would settle for so, in order to do that, she doesn't want him to settle for anybody else. Carla loves him; she knows he'll never he'll never feel the same way about him, so she wants him to be a woman she Carla doesn't want Sam to love anybody else that much. So she tries to sabotage his, whenever he gets attached to somebody like Diane or Rebecca later on or something like that, Carla tries to sabotage it as much as possible.
1: And I, I was, that was my train of thought. I was, I was thinking that is kind of a weird thing that a woman is happy that a guy is a womanized there. Cause that's normally not the case. Mm-hmm. But it was also a good line when Carla kind of just flat out, you know, made her proposition. She shot her shot and was like, you know, you ever thought about getting with me? And Sam's reply line of, you know, you're just too much woman for me. <laughs> that was such a great line. Like, that was that was so well played. Yeah, I could not remember. Yeah, was that this episode or
0: was that the next one? No, could,
1: that was this one.
2: Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And she yeah, she has this like kind of like ghostly smile. and She's like, you're a wise man, Sam Malone, because he he played it exactly right. <laughs>
1: it's- yeah, he did. He, he treated he treated her like a friend. Mm-hmm. And that was that I mean, and without being a jerk about it. And especially since that is Sam Malone, jock, cocky, arrogant, can get nearly any woman that he wants for him to do that with her. Show that he cared about her, and that was really cool. Right?
0: Sort of Agreed. Put, yeah, yeah, he manages while basically admitting that you're, you know, without saying you're not my type or we would never work together, or whatever. He's able to put her on a pedestal at the same time. Yeah, yes. which is what which is what somebody like Carla needs in that moment. Looking at the guest cast, we talked about you know Derek, his brother, who only has a voice credit, but it is credited. And then at the end, uh, Sam calls in this other woman named Debbie to come in and sort of you know be his, uh, his his rebound while Diane runs off with his brother. She has a great line. She's like, she's like, it was pretty. She's like, I don't remember how she phrases it. She's like, but it was pretty uh, inc- annoying. Or how did she say it?
2: She says something about calling her at that hour because it, boy- boy- yeah, it almost woke up her boyfriend. <laughs>
0: yeah, almost woke up her boyfriend. Yeah. Actually, yeah, it's like, it pretty dumb. You could have woken up my boyfriend or something, but she still obviously makes herself up to look good for Sam and steps out. And that woman is played by an actress named Deborah Shelton. Uh, she's in lots of smaller movies and TV shows. I, I think a lot of her movie credits are sort of the made for cable or made DVD or made for video um, erotic thriller genre type thing. Yeah. I think she kind of has a type that she's playing into the. Um, but one of them that I noticed, just kind of like scrolling through the credits, she was in a movie called Silk Degrees. So, yeah, you can imagine what this is about. Um, mm. But that movie co starred Mark Hamill, obviously Luke Skywalker, but also the voice of the Joker on Batman the Animated Series, Mark Singer, who voiced the Man Bat or Kirk Langstrom in Batman the Animated Series. <laughs> And Adrian Barbeau, who voiced Catwoman in Batman the Animated <laughs> Series. So. One of the
2: greatest actors of all time, yeah. Barbeau.
0: Oh, yeah. Swamp Thing, man. So. Um, I'm trying to think if I had any other. Do you guys have any other like notes or highlights before we get to our superlative categories at the end?
3: What no. does superlative mean?
0: Uh, just <laughs> like <laughs> superlative. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> sort of our, our our categories our special awards i i have one
1: more note yeah. i wanted to mention that for i felt this entire episode and it's kind of a tilt but it's worth mentioning Shelley long was on fire mm-hmm. this entire episode like like all like nearly all of her jokes landed and i mean that's not an easy thing to do i mean for even the best people and i and i was very pleasantly surprised at how much I liked her character and how I liked her delivery. She did a she did a great job. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I'm
2: glad. Yeah, I'm glad you said that, Dove. That's the one thing. When I was 11 years old, I thought Shelly Long's character was annoying. I was all about Sam, you know, as that preteen boy. But as I watched it this time, I agree with you. She is poised. She is funny. You really get a Appreciation for everything that Shelley Long brought to the to the screen on this show.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's been a, a familiar refrain with a lot of guests so far. Like that, we kind of keep on coming back to the idea that, especially for a lot of people who grew up, maybe remembering and romanticizing the Rebecca years, um, mm-hmm. because when Kirstie Alley came, born, I mean, she was she was a sex symbol and she was hot, and she seemed like a, more of a fit for Sam in certain respects. So I think there was a lot of and and because. Diane left without ever having, like, kind of fit in. She was always sort of the outsider, and, and the actress kind of had an antagonistic relationship with the rest of the, the cast and crew, or vice versa. Um, so, because they kind of left on bad terms, I think a lot of people kind of remember Diane poorly, or kind of like think, you know, the show got better without her and everything. But when you go back and watch for the first couple seasons with Diane, she is so good. I, I definitely think she is the best classical actress. Uh, in terms of just like having like the natural, the the skills, I think she's the best performer on the show. Uh, Ted Danson, who was also really, really good in this episode, his performance is a lot more subtle and what he does with this character and, and, and finding the depths of Sam and the nuance is a lot more subtle. Diane's is much more expressive and kind of obvious and, and you can see her kind of on a stage doing this type of thing.
1: Yeah. Um, Their chemistry mm -hmm. is great. Mm-hmm. But the two of them in their back and forth, they either really clicked off screen or they just were both such accomplished actors that they knew how to click together on screen. They did a great job to me.
0: Yeah. And then it goes back to like something that we talked about on the very first episode of this podcast, like when they were making the show or when they were first creating the show, they had a couple of different couples in mind to like cast for Sam and, and Diane. And Ted Danson was not their first pick for Sam. He was among the last ones that they wanted for Sam. But he had the best natural charisma with Shelley Long, who was their obvious first choice for Diane. So they cast him because just of all the people that she worked with, the, these two people had the best obvious chemistry. And they're like, that, that's what we can build the show around. Because um, Sam was going to originally, he was supposed to be a football player. And when they cast you know 6'3 Ted Danson, like, he doesn't look like a football player. Nobody's going to believe that he's like this Dick Buckus type of character. No. Um, so that's when they rewrote it. They were like, "Okay, instead of a football player, he's a he's a baseball player."
3: Mm-hmm. I have a question for you, Ryan. Since you've been recently going through this mm-hmm. on the show, I can't rightly remember how did someone of Diane's intellectual caliber end up working at Cheers? I just couldn't remember how she ended up there.
0: It's in the first episode. She, she he she is dating her professor. She's a grad student who's in love and, and sort of engaged to her professor. And they stop at Cheers on their way to the airport because they're going to elope. And um, on the way, like, he, her her fiancé, her professor Sumner, leaves to go get the ring from his ex-wife. Um, but when he goes to see her, he ends up rekindling his love for his ex-wife and leaving with her. So he basically dumps Diane at this bar. And <laughs> she has no other prospects, no new boyfriend, no job. Like, she can't go back as a grad. So she basically kind of left alone, destitute with nothing else to do. Meanwhile, she spent, like, the last nine hours of her day just sitting at this bar meeting all of these people that she thinks are crazy. And at the end of it, Sam is just like, I know you're desperate. He's like, hey, if you need something new, you can come work here. And she kind of laughs at him at first, but then she's able to recite, like, by just memorization, like, nine drinks that this part that this huge party uh, asked Carla to get for them, and she can, like, remember all the drinks that they ordered. And so it's, it's sort of a forced thing. You You still have to kind of... You have to suspend your disbelief that she would stay at the at that job for longer than two weeks. Um, <laughs> she she would have gone back for something else, but she yeah she got dumped. She basically got left there. And I I there.
3: remember it now. Obviously, yeah. I need to go back and listen to the first episode of your podcast <laughs>
0: <laughs> and the twenty in between. If you <laughs> yeah. let's not get carried away. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh that's uh that'll bring us to the end of episode twenty-one, showdown part one. Uh for Norm's Tab, every episode I tabulate how many beers we actually see Norm drink or like how many he has in front of him. Uh for this episode I counted he had four beers. Now he's probably... light
2: light day for Norm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> now for the season so far that brings him up to ninety-six. Here in this first season. Um, now that's not how many he, the character might have had, but that's how many we actually see him ordering or drinking or having like a half full mug in front of his face or something like that. So,
2: it's a double O drinker right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. we're,
0: we're coming close. we got one more episode. We'll see if he can top a hundred.
2: You know, that did spark a memory of, and this was, I remember seeing this when I was a kid, there was an episode, I think Sam had to play chess against Frasier and they had hooked up a computer
0: it's not fraser it's somebody else it's oh, okay. yeah it's when it's, 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 it's when it's when rebecca is dating robin colcourt the, the billionaire yeah
2: uh, okay, yeah, and then, and then, so what they're doing is they're running the strategy through this computer, yeah. and everything's going okay, but then uh, they would entered Norm's bar tab, and it just killed the computer. <laughs> yeah, the,
0: yeah the, com- <laughs> the computer was so slow because all the memory was being eaten up by Norm's bar tab, yeah.
2: <laughs> I don't know, that's, that just that sparked that
0: memory. That's a good one. Uh, Excellent. Uh, all right, so let us get into our employee of the week. Jared, who did you think was the best performer of this episode?
3: I am going to give it to Coach. Uh, Coach hit me right in the sweet spot with my having a Puerto Rican wife, and she's a <laughs> Spanish professor. We were watching that. And just uh, she doesn't ever laugh at anything I say. So to <laughs> see her laugh is a true novelty. And uh, she got a kick out of it, and I did too. So Coach learning Spanish almost immediately I found to be truly hilarious, and I just really like that. So it
0: goes to Coach. Nice uh delvin what did you think uh employee
1: uh goes to uh, diane for me diane was on fire just that entire episode and she had me cracking up <laughs> uh so I, I enjoyed her a lot so she gets mine
0: and uh jason what would you think
2: i'm gonna go with my brother agree with him and say coach i think one of my favorite parts that had me laughing is when he knocks on the door and says, uh, hey, Sam, your apartment burned down. You <laughs> lost everything. What? No, not really. Your brother's coming. But now you don't feel so bad, <laughs> yeah. do you? I hate it when you do that, coach.
0: Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, a the strategy for from bombs breaking bombs bad Nuclear went off in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nuclear bomb went off in Boston. What? Oh, your brother's here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you they catching on. <laughs> Yeah, I, gosh, I, I loved everybody. I, Coach had some amazing moments in this one. I really liked the two scenes with Carla. Um, ultimately, just because of the strength of these episodes and what these two episodes are focusing on, it was a it was a toss-up for me between Sam and Diane. Um, and I'm going to kind of... Uh, I might be giving away too much, but I'm going to sort of split it with this finale. I think this one, I really appreciated Sam uh, and how he would admit his vulnerabilities when he was in the office with, with Diane. And later on, as, as kind of Jason mentioned, like how uh, jarring it almost seems to have him at the bar alone while the center of the tension is like it uh, could be a million miles away but it's really just in the it pool. was
2: weird yes and to just see it him weird. and
0: and and people keep giving him the chance they're like hey let me take over like coach carla diane they all say i'll cover the bar for a few minutes go back there and have fun and he can't he won't do it he just and uh yeah so just like that thing and, and i certainly i won't speak for you guys, and don't want to start a fight just between you. But I, I certainly, I have an older brother that I was completely envious of and jealous of when I was growing up, and and feeling like you know I, I could never like when when he was the center of attention, I felt invisible. Uh, so it, I, I definitely know I could relate to Sam in moments like that. Well, Ryan, I, have you heard my Skystriker shit? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Talk to us about some G.I. Joe Christmas stories.
3: Oh, man. And I was going to jump in and say something nice. I've just always been completely pleased with my relationship uh, with Jason. And it might be because we're five years apart. So he's 15. I'm 10. You know, he's not, he, he, Jason and I have never been in a physical fight. Because Jason would destroy me. <laughs> he's five years older. <laughs> so we had a real interesting relationship where we get on each other's nerves, especially me on his but. I think also because we were that far apart there was no feeling of competition or anything and I just adored my older brother and he took great care of me. So that's how I see it anyway. I don't know about Jason. So <laughs> I I I uh, I get what you're saying, but no, nah, I wouldn't like that at my house. For me anyway.
2: So Christmas, eighty <laughs> four. No, I, I you know, I agree. I think that there was number one, I think. Jared and I are close enough in age that we could hang out together growing up, but we were far enough apart in age where there was the kind of the responsibility of the big brother to look after the little brother. Mm-hmm. And, and, so I, and then there was also the fact that we moved around a lot. So I, I went to like four different high schools and middle schools, and so it was one of those things where you make friends and then you leave. And so Jared was kind of the one constant friend I had growing up and vice versa. So uh, I think there was a lot of that, too, which, which uh, really helped our relationship. We're both, you know, we're different people in a lot of ways and we're similar in a lot of ways. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I never experienced it like Sam did with Derek, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> Speaking as the baby brother, too, I can also say that, yeah, I made out much better when it came to gifts and presents. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. I will say, I, I will say if either one of us had a private plane, I would think that it'd be like, hey, I'm coming too. Yeah, hold, <laughs> hold the door.
0: All right. Well, then let us get into our home runs. What did you think was it could have been the funniest moment, the most dramatic moment or just the overall what line or gag or moment? pleased you the most in this episode. Uh, Delvin, what did you think?
1: Let's go drama uh, because we haven't brought it up yet. The very first time, you know, when Sam was alone at the bar and uh, Diane comes out and talks and he's like, OK, I'm about to go. And he's like, please stay. I mean, and he just says, it, I mean, it was flatly and openly and vulnerably. And of course, it set up the whole comedy bit. Of, right, right. Right. What What? What did you say? <laughs> no, I, I didn't say anything. <laughs> but like that opening part of it where he just was completely vulnerable, it's like, man, that's that's cool. That's a, that's a good touching moment.
2: Yeah. Delvin, if you leave the show, I'll die.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what? What'd you say? Love it, love
0: it. Uh, Jared, what did you think?
1: Uh, I'm going to go
3: the comedic route and I'm going to go with Diane. I can't remember what the setup was. Sam was talking about Something about the all the women that wanted to be with him. Yeah, he, he
0: like was. He, he, yeah. yeah, he was flirting. He was. I, I know the line. He was like flirting, yeah. it. and she. Yeah, and, and she's like, you know what bothers me the most?
3: These women actually vote and drive cars.
0: Like they're, <laughs> they're oh, women they who, who BS works, and they're allowed to vote and drive cars.
3: These women are allowed to vote cars. Like that's pretty snappy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Diana. I, I agree with Del, but Diana was just on fire with the comedy, and that that one tickled me. Jason, what did you think?
2: Well, I kinda tipped my hand early with, with coach, but there was another line that I thought was super funny when he was on the phone and catching up <laughs> with his buddy Ed, telling him how his wife had passed away. And he's like, Oh hey, Ed, is your wife dead yet? Maybe you can come <laughs> hang out. <laughs> I was just I was rolling, man. I thought that was so funny. That
0: was It was so good. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah, there yeah, there were a lot of ones. Um for my runner up. Uh, Carla is coming back and she's talking to Sam when he's alone at the bar. And she's like, you know, Derek really impressed Diane when he told her about getting drunk in Paris with Anais Nin. And Sam is like, wow, really? And then they both kind of look at each other like, knows yeah. <laughs> Anais Nin? And Carla's like, I was hoping you would tell me. <laughs> I, I was hoping me. you do. Yeah. <laughs> There's that. And then um, my favorite one, really, it's it's a coach moment that I just love. Coach, did you know that Sam had a brother? He's like, of course I knew Sam had a brother. He hates him. And they're like, "What? Why?" He's like, "Well, he was cruel to him. When Sam was a kid, he used to shove his head under water." <laughs> and then he takes a breath. He's like, "Hey, wait a minute! That was my brother." <laughs> and then, and then another beat. Come to think of it, that was my head. I <laughs> 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 oh, love it, Coach. Yeah. Well, well, thank you very much, guys, for uh, entertaining me and and being on this episode of Cheers Cast. Uh, we will be back again, same group, next week to cover the season finale. But until then, where else can people find you, either in the podcastosphere or Jared? What other projects would you like to mention?
3: I uh, just find me on the social medias at Yard That's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can check out the comics I'm creating, the art shows I'm going to be at, and then of course the podcast that I'm on. But I believe I will let uh, Delvin talk about the podcast where we can be found. Oh, good thing I was prepared for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, we are all on the Longbox Crusade. Uh, there are several shows uh, under the Longbox Crusade umbrella to include Crusader Chronicles, Action Film Face Off, Transformers Chronicles, Saturday Matinee Theater. We're covering all things uh, comic books. Uh, there's some pop culture in there as well. Um, just a, a little bit of craziness and humor and all that stuff. And if you wanted to find me personally, I'm on Twitter d e e underscore r a y one nine seven seven Jason. Tell us about yourself, man.
2: Well, you can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter, or I'm at Jason Albrecht on Facebook or Instagram, and I am also hanging out with these two fine fellows and our buddy Pat, our fearless leader on the Longbox Crusade.
1: Wait, there, there's a fourth person on Longbox Crusade. I thought it was just us three. <laughs>
2: <laughs> now nah, somebody's got to do all the work, you know? Oh, yeah. show together. Well, you can also find us on uh mi6 rookie agents over uh on uh on her majesty's secret podcast where the four of us talk uh, james bond movies we're going through them one at a time and we've got uh license to kill coming
0: up very cool very cool all right guys uh thanks again jared jason and delvin for being on the show Listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in. You can support the show on Facebook and Twitter, and you can leave a comment on the post at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Until next time, we are closed.
1: Carl,
2: wait a minute.
0: What do you think? Uh, You
2: think Diane likes Derek?
3: just saying, I, <laughs> I don't know, Sammy. I'll pass her a note in gym. Hey, no, no, no. I'm, I'm
0: serious. I mean, I know what my brother's like around women, and I, I know Diane. You know something, Sammy? I used to admire you, but you know what's happened to you ever since she got here? You've turned into a big weenie. <laughs> You're a dink, a wimp, a thread, a loser. Well, thank you very much, Carla. I was having a little bit of a confidence problem, but that's been a real boost. Well, you know, just a few weeks ago You were making time with every foxy lady in Boston On your way to legendary status I mean, Sammy, you were heading for the Hound's
3: Hall of Fame Then Lady Fishface walked in the door What's going on here? Oh, I don't know, Carla It's driving me nuts Maybe she's playing hard to get But but hard to get for me used to mean I'd have to sit through
1: dinner (laughs)